Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. This is Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we discuss everything racing from this past week. Uh, before we get into it, let me introduce you to the panel I have in the studio tonight. With me is race engineer Richard Uden, NASCAR correspondent for Motorsports Tribune, Seth Eggert, IndyCar writer Chris Fidiharty, and joining us for the first time, Luis Torres, who is an all-purpose rider over there at Motor Storage Tribune. How is everybody tonight? Doing good. Very good, thank you. All right, all right. We've got Gray and Joey off on assignment. Gray is still removing snow from the grandstands in Martinsville, as I understand. But uh, that's another story for another day. So, uh, Formula One guys, up and running. Finally, the last of the major series to get a start. Um, Sebastian Vettel. Beginning 2018, in similar to fashion, he started last last year, taking the win. Um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a giveaway, um, but uh, Richard, let's uh, let's have your expert analysis. Let's talk about this Formula One race and break it down a little bit. So uh, I think we saw pretty much what we expected coming out of preseason testing, as has been the case for the last four or five years now. The Mercedes is the dominant car on Raw you know, one lap pace and over the the course of, uh, you know, race pace as well. In all fairness to the Ferrari team and Sebastian Vettel, they didn't, again, use this phrase, didn't deserve to win the race. They did deserve to win it because they won it. But, you know, it wasn't on pace. It was circumstance that they won it under. They, they took advantage of a, a lucky situation from their part. Very unlucky for uh, the, the Haas F1 team, and I'm sure we'll, we'll sort of um, talk about them a little bit more later on. But from a from a spectacle point of view, Max Verstappen summed it up very well. If he was watching it on TV, he'd probably turn it off, and he wouldn't have even been watching the uh, American coverage. So, uh, you know, he would definitely would have turned that off. But uh, <laughs> Okay. Anything, you know, anything good come out of the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, you can't turn off coverage that didn't exist. That's very true. Uh, but it, it, one so, of the, 
So let's let's for our viewers that may not have seen the race, Rich, let's go over that uh, that that pass for the lead and what what put Vettel in front and this this, this so, series of events. Uh, some some folks that are used to watching American racing racing may not understand everything with the virtual safety car. So let's just break, yeah, break so, it down so a piece we, at a time. So we had start of the race. Hamilton uh, took the lead and built up a comfortable lead. And as Formula One has become over the last few years, it's all about managing gaps and. You know, not put because you've got now got the engine limit this year, so you've got three engines for 21 races, so seven races engine. You can't push to the full capacity of the engine, so it's all about maintaining gaps and managing gaps to your rival. And you know, uh, Kimi Raikkonen was there and he stopped early, and Hamilton basically followed Raikkonen into the pits to cover any undercut or overcut that Ferrari was trying to pull off in, in that circumstance. And that left Vettel out in the lead. Now, Hamilton on the fresh tyres was catching Vettel. No real danger uh, from of Vettel being ahead of Hamilton on track after the pit stop cycles because you know, he was 11 seconds behind Hamilton, I think it was, or, or seven seconds behind Hamilton when Hamilton made his stop. So there was no real danger there. Then you had the... Very unfortunate situation with both of the Haas F1 cars suffering um, failures during the pit stops where the uh, the nuts got cross-threaded and, and basically the wheels weren't stuck on the car. So they both retired. Now, um, I believe it was Magnussen that retired first and then two laps later Grosjean retired first with, I say, exactly the same problem. Different wheels, but same problem. Uh, Magnussen's car was out of the way. Uh, Grosjean's car was in a, a position where they deemed uh, they needed a virtual safety car. Now, under the virtual safety car system, the idea is you freeze the field. So, unlike a full safety car where everybody bunches up, under a virtual safety car system, it's designed to aid the leader who's maybe built up a you know ten second gap. It's designed to neutralise the race and, and maintain that ten second gap. There is one issue with these rules which is exactly what Ferrari and Vettel took advantage of. The pit lane entry, the pit lane itself, and the pit lane exit are not covered by the virtual safety car speed limit. So as soon as Vettel entered the pit lane, he could go as fast as he liked. He wasn't limited to these, what they call deltas, the speed deltas, which they have to adhere to on the track. So... Vettel was able to take a you know normal pit stop speed, which was far faster than Hamilton, who was limited to his speed on the physical racetrack. So when Vettel came out of his pit stop, he'd maintained that lead. So it was almost a free pit stop. And you know Hamilton was on the radio complaining. He didn't understand why that had been allowed to happen, why he wasn't told. And as I mentioned earlier, everything in Formula 1 now is about maintaining gaps and... and sort of covering these sort of scenarios. Now, in the in the grand scheme of things, the possibility of a virtual safety car under those set of circumstances with that particular gap is relatively low. But it happened, and Mercedes will have had data about that. And at no point was Hamilton told, hey, you need to gain two or three seconds to cover a virtual safety car pit stop for Vettel. Now, that was Hamilton's gripe during the race, that he wasn't told that. And again... You know, how many of these circumstances do you relay to the driver? And especially with the limits on engine life, you know, you don't want them overstressing the engine and overpushing it. So it was very much a, a you know, Ferrari won that race through circumstance rather than outright speed. But very quickly, one of the things it did highlight massively 
is how hard it is to overtake. And Melbourne's not a great overtaking track. You know, there's very few limit, very few places you can overtake. And they increased the number of DRS zones, but it didn't really make much of a difference. And I think that's something that is going to have to be uh, looked at going forward with, you know, the fact that a Hamilton was clearly faster than Vettel, but just wasn't in a position to pass, as many other cars were throughout the weekend. Absolutely. Well, now let me ask you this real quick, just just because I, I should probably know the answer to this. But when we're running under virtual safety car, okay, and we've got yep. the virtual safety car speed limit, is that is that like a switch on the dashboard by like a pit lane speed limiter? No. Or, or is that or is that the driver the driver is in full control of that? So the driver is in full control. Now my understanding of it, and the virtual safety car came in after I was directly involved in Formula One, but. My understanding of it is there are 20... When you see a race, you know, it's split into three sectors. Well, actually, from the FIA's point of view, the track is split into 20 sectors. There's 20 sectors, and there is a predetermined time that you should run through those sectors at a low speed so that if there's marshals on the track or a recovery vehicle on the track, you know, you can react safely to that scenario. So it's, it is still driver control excuse me, driver controlled, but it's not like a, you know, a pit limit button. The reason they do that is because the virtual safety car can be turned on or off at any one time throughout the uh, lap. So you don't want somebody on a pit limiter in the middle of a really, really slow corner compared to somebody on a pit limiter, you know, when they should be doing 200 miles an hour. You know, they need to maintain that sort of proportional speed differential. Okay, good to know. Yeah, because I, I kind of wondered about that. So, but let's talk about and Christopher, um, feel free to join this conversation because I know you watch quite a bit of Formula One as well. The um, good news, bad news for the Haas F1 team because for the uh, the early part of the race, uh, the, the Haas F1 team was only behind Ferraris and McLaren. They were they were ahead of the Red Bulls and the Renaults and everybody else. They were McLaren? really having having a great weekend. I'm sorry. The Mercedes and Ferraris. Did I you say McLarens? I went to the nineties. I went to the nineties for a second. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> the Mercedes. And so Ferraris, you're saying Nika yeah, so. Hackett is not back? Yeah, he, he was there. I saw him. Uh, so so anyway, uh, and then the problems with the pit stops. But uh, but but Chris, uh, you know, what do you think um, this holds in store for the rest of the season for Haas F1? I know it was a miserable uh, result, but um, looking forward. Hopefully they can bounce back from this, um, and I say hopefully because when you're that one guy that has that mistake and you know it's on you, sometimes you can either you know fall apart or you can get stronger from this. And I, I think that showing uh, Romain Grosjean, you know, supporting him in the uh, paddock area afterwards was really really nice. Um, I also think that we um, we saw some good things with. Um, the team competing up there in the top five, but unfortunately, you know, that's the start of the race. It's not the end of the race. Um, they did look promising. Um, uh, overall, for the time that they were on track, it's a lot of it's a lot of good. So I'm not going to complain about that too much. I just wish you could have seen them a bit more, you know? Yeah, now, Richard, you've got some comments on this pit stop stuff too. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the pit stop sort of scenario was... It's unlucky. I mean, you know, gee, it's you, you, you've done so much throughout the weekend, so much hard work to get there, and it's a real shame for them. Going forward, 
I think they're going to struggle to maintain their position as the sort of best of the rest, for want of a better word. Um, if you, you cast your mind back to last year, they were very open in their we're stopping development of our 2017 car early, going on to 2018, probably earlier than anybody else did. And, you know, that's shown. You know, you look at guys like Force India who were really, you know, they were in that position last year. You know, they were, I mean, what, 7th, 16th, 15th, 16th all weekend. They really, really struggled, those guys. And because they probably, they, you know, developed their car for 2017 through the back end of the season, whereas Haas had that early advantage. So, uh, my personal going forward, then, you know, these flyaway races before you get back to Europe... You know, has, that's when they need to pick up their points. You know, they need to go out there and, you know, finish fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, bag the big points now and sort of hold on throughout the rest of the year, really. Because I think, especially the likes of Renault and McLaren, they'll catch up and they'll pass them pretty soon, I think. Um, but on, on the pit stop side of things, yeah, that's that's some really, really bad luck there. Um, you know, there's so many things that we've got to get right on a weekend, and pit stop practice is one of those things now. Gunter Steiner um, were, was talking about they had issues throughout the weekend, technical issues, which meant that the mechanics and the engineers who run the pit stops weren't able to do pit stop practice as much as they'd like to. So they weren't as prepared that, uh, as you know optimum. But, um, yeah, it, it was a shame. It really was. Um, so hopefully they can go to Bahrain in a couple of weeks and... Uh, have a re- repeat performance and bring home the points that they certainly deserve. Absolutely, yeah. So now, uh, Louise, you have some comments about the Williams team. I know that uh, I-, I read some comments from uh, young Mr. Stroll, um, kind of non-complimentary <laughs> comments uh, about his team. I don't know if you had a chance to see those, but uh, Louise, let's talk about Williams a little bit. Yeah, when you brought up Force India, I think it was a little fun battle between Force India and Williams for that best of the rest. I'd like to consider, like, Tier 1, like Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull, and then Tier 2 would be like Williams, Forsinia, and those guys. I, was su- I wasn't I was sort of surprised to see them struggle. Well, obviously, they have high expectations because at this point of time, you have uh, two, uh, you, they build momentum. They kind of relied on Felipe Massa to kind of help them out. But now you have essentially a sophomore and a rookie in one team, and then when you that puts so much pressure on Lance Stroll, which people have mentioned a lot of not-so-subtle things about his driving style or capabilities. It's like, I still see he has potential, but him getting this heavy load right out of the gate and also having a uh, young driver like Sorokin, it's going to be a, a long season for them. It's going to take him a while to kind of build that foundation where, where, where experience will be pivotal because right now they don't have an experienced driver per se that has logged in so many laps in so many years like Massa did. So there's my big hole. Well, they do do have one, but he's their reserve driver. Yeah, yeah. They they, they could have had a very good one in the cockpit had they gone that route. Yeah, but... uh... <laughs> we yeah, Robert that Kubica. Last year. Yep, that's, yeah. who that's who we're talking about. Yeah, good old Robert. And I mean, one of the one of the other issues that Williams will be dealing with throughout this year is, of course, they're losing the Martini sponsorship for 2019. So there's a hole there that they'll have to fill. Now, obviously, that's you know a, a separate entity, if you like, from the team. It doesn't really affect the day to day running of the team. But you know, they may be looking at you know a financial reduction in their income. 
uh, going forward. You know, there's lots of things that they'll have to consider and they have to manage properly and efficiently. And it's a difficult time for them. It really is. Um, you know, personally, I would have liked to have seen them then get on board with Honda. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, how, how the Honda team or the Honda engines are, are now at Toro Rosso, and they've almost seemed to have, you know. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner had their three years of hurt with McLaren and, and now they seem to be reasonably competent um, so I, personally I would like to see somebody like Williams jump on board with Honda and, and work together because the days of being customer engines and being competitive I think are, are pretty limited in the sport so uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see where they end up at the end of the year yes absolutely yeah so um, beyond those teams we've talked about uh, so let's talk about McLaren at their, their move over to Renault uh, not a bad showing, right? Um, yeah, Alonso's makes it up in the top ten. You know, he, he was there at the end of the race, which was something we rarely saw last year. I mean, in, I mean, in the in the seat of a car, not on a chaise lounge. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's it's an you know it was an to a certain extent it was a you know win win situation from them. They got rid of the bad press from Honda, and they got an engine they knew was going to be reliable. I mean, it's not a Mercedes, but. They were never going to go back to that. It was the best that they could get. And they knew that a lot of the issues that they'd seen in the previous season were never going to rear their heads um, in, in Melbourne. So you know, it was always a little bit of a... You know, this year is going to be... That's probably going to be the most intriguing battle is the, the Renault-McLaren-Red Bull fight. You know, for so long... You know, McLaren have said, hey, we've got a great chassis with great aero and great mechanical grip. Our engine sucks. And Red Bull have been saying the same thing. And, and now Renault are sort of they're investing some serious cash into their team to, to sort of bring them to the front of the grid. So it'll be really interesting to see that dynamic of how McLaren can start to develop a car that they know is reliable uh, and is not power limited like it has been in the past. Um, how Red Bull continue to, uh, sorry, how Renault continue to invest and see if some of those uh, the fruits of their labours there come through. Um, and that Red Bull dynamic, you know, with Christian Horner just bleating on and on and on. I mean, just shut up, please, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's got a job going, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> oh, Richard, you crap Yeah, double-duty work. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about... The television coverage, okay? So this was uh, ABC ESPN's first Formula One race in a number of years. I mean, uh, ESPN carried Formula One uh, for years when I was young. 
Um, and they, they did a pretty good job of it. Actually, it was the black and white days. The, the, thank you, Chris. Oh, come on. We had, we had, oh, come on. They still had Bob Barr. We, we had color TV and, and we had cable. I mean, come on. Yeah, we still, still had Bob Varsha, David Hobbs. Um, so, so anyway, so, you know, those of us that follow IndyCar racing, right, we're overjoyed with the fact that um, ABC will no longer be covering the Indy 500 and, and a portion of the IndyCar season. And we'll talk about IndyCar's new um, TV deal with NBC a little later in the program. Um, because uh, what do we like to say? ABC means always bad coverage, so so they've got a chance. They're they're using uh, piping in Sky F1, uh, which uh, does a fairly decent job of covering it, and technical difficulties and poorly slotted commercials. Um, Luis, you saw it. Uh, I mean, just what an abomination, huh? Oh yeah, definitely it was an abomination. This is coming from a guy that has a broadcasting degree, and the one thing you never want it you don't want to do when you have technical difficulties it's kind of like put yourself in a basketball where you have to re-air something that just aired, more or less aired an hour ago which was the 20 greatest athletes of the last 20 years which michael schumacher i might add was on that list along with jimmy johnson the only racing drivers that's another topic within itself but what they could have done instead of repeating rerun that 20 greatest athletes they could have just i don't know do a season preview of formula one introduce those fans that, yes, we're covering Formula One instead of just doing commercials. you got to do more stuff. It's like with ABC and ESPN, they, I mentioned it for the last couple of years, they've done the bare minimum. And this rate and age of racing, you don't want to do the bare minimum. You want to go all in. You want to have a – I know your, your ESPN, Ryan Gay said they're not going to have in-house people. So there was not going to be a Bob Barsha, David Haas, Steve Matchett, or Will Bucks, any of those guys. But at least could have done something – where, I don't know, like, before, don't before, let the viewers know they're going to break. Like, I don't know, add, like, a little graphic said more and we'll be right back or, like, do a transition stuff. Where, like, have, just have, Formula One. And yes, have, yeah. have a monkey juggling on a unicycle? That would have been more entertaining, right? So, but, I, you know, I think the problem is that there was nothing they could do because they don't have a broadcast team. They, they don't have a broadcast position. They're just piping in the feed, you know, from – you know, from Sky F1, and even back when ESPN covered Formula One back in the day, they didn't bring a, a, a crew to the race. A lot of times, the the commentators were sitting sitting in Connecticut watching the race on television, doing the commentary. But but at least they had guys in the studio that that could speak. You know, so um, you know they when that happens, they've got nothing, nothing. So uh, and Seth, I'd love to hear your comments about this too. Uh, I actually watched the re-air uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern on Sunday, and I don't know about anybody else, but last name overtaking last name, really? Hey, Formula uh, One that, 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 Man, Formula One driver last names are hard to spell. The shoe markers. I mean, you know, Seth, Formula uh, One, I, Formula I'll one give them driver that, names but, are hard to spell, yeah. Still, <laughs> uh, the only other thing I was going to say is the breaks to commercials were very, very rough. Uh, there were times in which it was just a black screen for several seconds, and it would come in the middle of the Sky Sports uh, announcer or broadcaster talking about, say, Lewis Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel. There was one in the middle of that virtual safety car that you guys were talking about earlier, and it just blew my mind that they would break away at such an inopportune time. 
Yeah, and you know we saw which this. is why they needed a graphic on there instead of the black to make it more fluid. Yeah, and we saw the same thing in the IndyCar, you know, season opener a couple of weeks ago, right, Chris? The commercial breaks were poorly timed. I mean, we'll just have a commercial during a yellow, but let's neglect to come back from commercial before the restart twice in the same race. And it's just it just shows the the lack of attention to detail that these guys really don't know how to broadcast a race. Um, you know, the, some of the camera angles were terrible. We had incidents on the track that the camera angles never caught, uh, you know, an important is, incidents too. And that was the IndyCar race. And so now you're trying to, they, we, we can't even take a signal from a, from a decent Formula One broadcast and get it into our uh, living rooms here without a bunch of problems. So I, I, I guess the good news is ABC has nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Considering this was the first time I've seen the Sky Sports coverage, because me watching Formula One, I've, I've heard of guys like Crofty and Bruno and those guys, but boy, there was a huge nine and day difference between NBC's crew, what they had, and this guy's. First off, what I liked about their coverage is they have like crash analysis. Of course, down at NBC, I don't ever recall they ever did it, but the thing is, they, they had, NBC had a story, but you had guys that knew what they were talking about in terms of having their concrete subject. You have David Hobbs focusing on the driver element, Steve Matchett, the constructor's element. And with Sky, they're pretty much, I don't know, it's mostly like bantering left and right and kind of call it as what they see. They don't really have kind of like that quote-unquote chemistry where you have a guy that is solely focusing on a specific subject like matcha with the constructors over the years you see i think that's an interesting point and i i think that's how should we put it that's probably more typical of what you'd see actually the difference in any sporting coverage between u.s and european uh coverage in europe it's more how should we put it they're sort of adding something to what you're seeing on tv and they're commenting on things and they're um you know bringing their own insight i think when you watch and this is my personal opinion from what i've seen of it a, a us-based coverage it's more describing what you're seeing on the tv and reaffirming what you're seeing um so there is that little um you know there is a different uh difference in how and it's not just formula one all sport i think is covered um you know i i've watched you know, soccer in the UK with UK coverage and with US coverage, and it's almost like you're watching a completely different game. So, I, with that being said, and I want to get to Chris for a second. So, so is maybe just based on you guys' different reaction? You know, is it maybe just maybe just a bad idea to uh, to bring the Sky coverage in because that's not what Americans are used to? I've heard, I've always heard that the Sky coverage was very, very good. But then after this, I, I just heard a lot of complaints about, uh, oh, somebody called them, oh, I don't want to listen to two monotone Brits for... for yeah, hours. I saw that. Yeah, you know, like, so, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mind it one I didn't mind it one bit at all. I saw they, the, for what it's worth, it's a different feel. You kind of, after all the years that we're used to, a certain core group and then listening to those guys from Sky, is it different? They, you know, they have some plus sides and all that. It's just mostly my biggest complaint is mostly how it was executed as far as ESPN's, ESPN's part. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if even there's one guy still on ESPN. If you could have like a host, like a Rick DeBrule, who did Formula One for uh, for a year or two, like including Alonso's first win back in 03. I don't know, just saying. Uh, 
there's a lot more they could do than what they're doing. Yeah, I, I just I'm just quietly wondering to myself if if using a European feel to the broadcast is going to grow Formula One in the United States, or is it going to turn but people they, off of it? So, but Chris, Chris, I'm going to ask the comments. For, uh, sorry, I'm go right ahead, Richard. Them yeah. broad. If, the, if there was such a thing as chloroform and motorsports broadcasting, the Australian Grand Prix was it in the United States. Um, it was just it, it made me long for the ABC IndyCar broadcasts. Um, honestly, it, it the Sky feed normally is really really good, but when you don't have a support staff in the United States to do it the right way, it is downright unwatchable. And really, it was just terrible all around. All right, Richard. One more last comment. That was on really this. it. All right, Richard. Yeah, one more last comment on this uh, TV coverage before we move uh, on. In, that was that, that was my exact comment as well. I was going to make there. You know, you can you can have the the greatest you know input coming in, but if you know, it's almost like it's, oh yeah, we actually have to have somebody here to like press the button and to talk and do so. You know, it was just it looked look you know really smacked of like you know lack of professionalism really, which was really really disappointing. Very disappointing, yeah. So, like I said, ABC's got nowhere to go but up. Maybe they'll learn from this. Maybe they won't. I don't know. What's the What's the duration of the contract? Is it a multi-year or is it a year by year? Does anybody know? Too long. I'm sure it's <laughs> a multi-year. They mostly trying to cater to the streaming audience. Which also, by the way, if you're going to make it, of course, you have the F1 TV Pro coming up. But as far as your telecast, at least have like exclusive like. Well, it's going to be hard because you got to contact Skype, but it's like their streaming aspects, they kind of got to have some working to do. It'll be interesting to see how many people do pick up that um, F1 streaming service when it becomes available. Because I think that will, again, just be the, the Sky feed, but just without any commercials. And you'll get all the um, other... So basically, in the UK, there is a, a Sky F1 channel, which has you know the, all the practice sessions, qualifying race, all the other stuff that goes on with it. And it may be that they just like simu- you know, simulate or just broadcast that at the same time. Um, that may be what it is there. I wonder if they made the broadcast up on purpose that they wanted people to subscribe to the Sky, uh, uh, to the F1 feed instead. Oh, oh it could be. I would not be. never know. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So, just speaking of television, so IndyCar announced. All the races on NBC and NBC Sports uh, going forward uh, after this year. Uh, ABC TV is going to bid farewell to the Indy 500 after, what, 54 years, I believe, of covering the 500. Uh, it'll be on a different network. Since 1965. So that's roughly 54 years, somewhere in there. So, because after this should be 54, yeah. So, but. <clears throat> Uh, we, you know, we're a lot of folks are really excited about this. Uh, they like the deal. We don't know all the, uh, uh, you know, uh, how many practices are going to be seen, what the streaming options are going to be. They're going to utilize the NBC Gold streaming option. We don't know what the price tier is going to be. But to have everything on one network and to have seven races on NBC and just knowing that uh, NBC, when they cover the larger sporting events, such as uh, like when they've, they've picked up the Kentucky Derby, and when they've picked up the um, the years they've covered the Super Bowl, they've utilized their other popular programs, such as uh, like their morning program and um, some of their late night, like uh, the Jimmy Fallon show, uh, and broadcast from those events. And, man, I can see Jimmy Fallon setting up at Indy next year. 
uh, and doing a show from there because he's he's taking his show on the road for the Super Bowl every time NBC's at it. So I can see them doing that for the Indy 500 and just doing a lot of cross promotion. So um, I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of good to come out of this. Um, but I think the one downside, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, is that. Uh, um, IndyCar may not have the rights to stream the the practice and qualifying on their Facebook page uh, like they have been, and we may have to get the NBC Gold to do that. Is that correct? Um, from what I've heard, yes, um, which is going to be a major bummer if they have any of the NBC people um, at any of the races. I'll be sure to ask them that, you know, how was NBC Gold better than what they have now on YouTube when NBC Gold is something you have to pay for while the YouTube streaming is free. So that they're going to have to really, really convince me on that. I'm not 100% convinced that it's the right move. Well, we've got a, we've got a, one more year on the current contract to see what happens. So um, with that in mind, guys, any, any more notes on Formula One or IndyCar? Um, and, yes, uh, Jay Howard signed for car number was it 30? Is it 36? Seven. Just seven. 37 if you count Buddy Lazier, who I don't think is going to show up. So, but uh, Oh, I thought you were talking about the um, actual car number itself. No, the actual the, car number itself is seven. No, I'm talking about the, the 35th official entry, the 36th official entry, I believe. So, Which means we're going to have a bump. And Mark Mouse said we're going to have a bump. So... Uh, who do you guys feel might actually get bumped? I mean, because a lot of folks are saying, oh, yeah, Danica, Pippa Man. I, I guess it's easy to pick on the girls, but as I look at this thing, um, I, I don't think Pippa's going to be the slowest one in the field. And I think Ed Carpenter's cars are pretty darn strong. And so long as Danica's comfortable in the in the car, I, I want to say if there's going to be a bump or two, you got to look at like, uh, you know, perhaps like the um, – uh, the, uh, Kyle Kaiser, um, you know, uh, that team. Or Pietro Fittipaldi. The Yukos team, Pietro Fittipaldi. Um, Jay Howard, certainly. I, I think uh, some of those guys may be um, more likely to be on the cusp of getting bumped from the field than, say, Danica or Pippa. What do you say, Christopher? Um. I think Pietro Fittipaldi is going to be fine because Dale Coyne has Craig Hampson on the uh, engineering staff, and Craig is one of the first people you'd want to hire if you're um, if you're going to be doing an IndyCar team. Um, for being bumped, um, I'm almost tempted to. I hate to say Kyle Kaiser because he's. You know, he's an Indianite's champion, but, I mean, Yugos didn't necessarily have a good qualifying situation last year. Uh, if Buddy Lazier is going to get his effort going, I would say him, possibly. Um, or what about even, like, the Dryer and uh, Reinbold cars? Oof. You know, like, the Dryer and Reinbold cars are not... Sage Karam's going to qualify. Yeah, but that second car that's unnamed yet um, might, might be Hildebrand. But uh, you're talking; those guys are, have done no testing with the new car. They don't even—I don't believe they've taken delivery of the new parts for the car yet. Um, I, so I don't know how far off the. They have is. Sage Karam's car was being painted. Okay, so so they're, they're Sage Karam's car was being painted. I did see social media. But they're, yeah, they're still being, um, they're I still would behind say, the rest of the team. So I would say I wonder if one of the Carlin cars won't qualify. 
I was thinking that too, yeah. Mm. Mm. Or say even like the, the the fifth or sixth Andretti car, you know, Stefan Wilson, he's he's not had a ton of experience behind the wheel. You know? Um I think they'll be I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. I know it's way early to be yep. talking. I know it's way early to be talking about this, but uh, it's going to be exciting to see an actual bump. You know, after the speculation that, uh, that we may just go ahead and let everybody start, um, that uh, Miles is guaranteed. He's oh yeah, there'll be a bump day. And Seth says, well, "What if we have a big name have a bad qualifying effort and wreck on bump day? That could certainly happen. I mean, uh, Indy is can be unkind to anybody. Uh, guys that have not made the field." in years past include Emerson Fittipaldi, Al Unser Jr., and Bobby Rahal, um, not because they crashed, simply because they couldn't get up to speed. So, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, it, when it comes to qualifying, it, the bigger the name, it doesn't matter. Um, um, you know, unless, oh, yeah, but, unless you buy your way in. Yeah, that was one of my biggest concerns. I imagine it's like if Danica was in that predicament, I would not be totally surprised if that were to happen. If if they go daddy or Ed Carpenter buys the right, which is kind of unfortunate that happens. Like if you qualify, you qualify. If you don't, you just don't. Is there's like controversial line where it's the nice way to do it or the dirty way to do it. And I think buy rights is one of those ordeals, but it really depends on the higher ups and who makes that call. Yeah. I mean, it's happened as recently as what was it? When, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray bought his way in after uh, they bought after he got bumped out. They bought 2011. Uh, 2011, yeah, they bought uh, John Kerr's ride, left left Bruno on the sideline, um, which really made a lot of people unhappy. But you know, at the end of the day, that's a small fact is barely remembered, honestly. So, all right, so let's move on, Seth. We had a NASCAR race on Monday. Um, <laughs> yes, we did. We had the uh, the NASCAR Snow Derby. Um, uh, <laughs> snowball and, derby. Yeah. Snowball and, derby. So let me let me make a quick comment about the snow in Martinsville. Okay, when I was I I spent a number of years living in Virginia, and I would go to Martinsville twice a year. Uh, back then, black and white days, Chris. <laughs> back then, <coughs> Martinsville's dates were in April and September. Now their dates are in March and October. And, you know, Gray and I went to the race uh, last October. It was right before Halloween and froze our butts off. It was miserable. Um, this one gets snowed out. So uh, I just I don't think that uh, well, even they've been running those dates for oh, 10 years now since 2008. I just I don't believe that those two dates fit with Virginia weather well. So that, that's well, all I want to say. To be so, fair, to, to be, be fair, fair, I do. Actually, I do actually have some stats on NASCAR and snow. <laughs> Atlanta 93 wow. that one I know f- very well Richmond 89 Bristol, yeah, there you Bristol, go and Bristol uh, 2006 the, and Xfinity race had a snow delay right. in the middle of the race yeah I mean you know, mother, <laughs> Na- mother, mother nature is going to do what she's going to do you know and you can't uh, you, 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 you know no race date is safe from some sort of weather but uh, yeah but it's about every 12 to 13 years that a race is actually delayed either by a day or by a significant amount of time by snow. What mm-hmm. about global warming? I'm not getting into anything <laughs> like that. We've had wildfires that moved Daytona to October, and that one was yeah. not safe for weather. It was raining at the very end. 
Yeah, we had wildfires. We had wildfires cancel the the cart uh, season ender Fontana several years ago. And we, last year, wildfire almost affected uh, Sonoma Raceway after the racing season. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yep. So. I digress. I digress. Let, let's not talk about the weather because this isn't drafting the weather. This is <laughs> drafting the circus. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the guy who broke his long one hundred ninety. Yep. We're so happy for Clint Boyer. Yep. 190 races. Clint Boyer went winless in the NASCAR. In the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, he finally broke through at Martinsville Speedway, leading the most laps in his career in a single race. The last time he led over 170 laps was New Hampshire in 2010. He led 216 laps uh, yesterday. We're recording on Tuesday. They led 216 laps yesterday out of the last 217 laps. And on top of that, it's his first win since 2012. Uh, it's his first win since 2013 Spingate. And he is the first driver to have a win in all three of the current manufacturers on track. He has won in Ford as of yesterday. He won with Toyota at Michael Waltrip Racing, and he won in Chevrolet's at Richard Childress Racing. And he's the only driver to have done that? The only driver to have done that. That's pretty good. That wow. I did not know. Pretty cool. And his uh, winless streak was the third longest in NASCAR history. Uh, second, uh, It's third only to Bill Elliott at 226, and Martin Truex Jr. at two hundred. And three, I believe. And we saw one. Yep, which yours truly was there at that one, the one Truex won. There were not many fans of Truex at that point. I think there was only one super fan, and look what happened five years ago. He's probably grown a lot since. Yeah, and look what happened to Truex when he started winning again. And so, the, I mean, is, is Clint on a similar path? I, you know, that team is pretty darn good looking at Harvick's results. It is the fourth win out of six races for Stuart Haas Racing. It very well could have been the fifth had uh, Daytona gone differently. But going back to uh, the winless streaks, the driver currently with the longest winless streak is Paul Menard, and he is just reaching 200. And at the rate this is going, he could possibly reach and maybe even surpass Belliot's mark. But with the performance that the Fords have been having, even the Wood Brothers being aligned with Team Penske, there is a chance he could win later in the season. All right, so let me ask you this quick question about your win or your loss streak, okay? So is this races between wins or, say, like in the case of Billy, Billy, Billy Elliott, is it like when he, if, if, if somebody never wins again, do you count that as a streak? No, it's races. Like, like how many races? Did between Jimmy, wins. Okay, races between wins. Okay, gotcha. So, so yeah. if if Paul Menard Bill never Elliott, if Paul Menard never wins again, Elliott still has a record. He then, just right? has that one win. Correct. All right, gotcha, Correct. gotcha. Thank you, John Madden. Yeah, and as far <laughs> as speaking of yeah, speaking of Paul Menard, as far as active drivers, they're the longest 
I know Trevor Bain has not won since the 2011 Daytona Fire, but of course he drove part time until like a few years and, ago. So that's, that's why he's not reason, ahead of Foley. Exactly. Uh, Trevor Bain is now third on the list because of Paul because of Boyer's win. All right, so Boyer's now got him a spot in the chase. So we've got two of the Stuart Haas cars safe in the chase there. Um, and again, you know, we were talking about this. A pretty dominant win. Every race this year, save for the Daytona 500, has been a dominant performance by one car. This is is this healthy for the sport that that talks so much about parity? I think so. And mind you, it was a dominant win. But one point in the race, Boyer almost ran out of fuel. It wasn't if it wasn't for a caution because of Trevor Bain, which had a little help from Austin Dillon. If it, or sorry, uh, Jamie McMurray wasn't it? Jamie McMurray, I had it mixed up. Uh, Jamie, Mc, Jamie McMurray, and Austin Dillon. <laughs> well, hey, Trevor Bain did cut down tire late in the race and almost brought out caution. But <laughs> if it wasn't for that caution, Boyer would have run out of fuel. Yep. So we almost had somebody else win because of that, but. Again, like you said, it was a dominating win. But Boyer really didn't come to the lead until after the second stage. He was running about fifth, sixth all race long until about 50 or so laps into stage uh, three. Yeah, but then he just took over from there. So I I don't know. I mean, Martinsville is always an entertaining race and there's always anybody can win. You know, there's always a little controversy, you know, like uh, Kevin Harvick break checking Denny Hamlin, that that kind of nonsense. But uh, before we stray too far off of Clint Boyer, Chris, you have some fun facts about Clint's last win. I want to hear those. Yeah, so uh, Clint's last win was back in 2012 in October at Charlotte. Uh, a few fun facts about uh, Clint Boyer's last win before today. Uh, the iPhone 5 was released the previous month. Snapchat at that point was only one year old. Instagram had just turned two years old. And Windows 8 still wasn't released to the general public. Just to give you an idea of how long ago Clint Boyer's last win was. Oh, yeah, and I was just a high school senior, and I didn't even want the homecoming thing until, like, a few weeks later. It makes us all feel old that it's been since 2012. I was going to say, that's not that long. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, for me, it is. Yo, yo, youngsters. <laughs> five and a half years. Five and a half. Yes, yes. Yeah, back then, yeah, my daughter wasn't interested in boys yet. So, <laughs> so. So anyway, so other than uh, Clint Boyer um, just like killing it at the end there, um, uh, what are some of the other stories coming out of Martinsville? And we've got a truck race to talk about as well. Well, uh, another issue with the pit guns, although this wasn't a pit gun failure. Uh, Daniel Suarez on a pit stop, they released him before the rear tire changer had actually removed the pit gun from the lug nut. The fourth... The force of the tire spinning launched the pit gun into the pit wall, snapping it in half. Yeah. That, that I missed that. I missed that. Yep. <laughs> there, uh, there did anybody hear what... of it. They just showed the remains of it on TV, but they didn't explain how it happened. They just said it broke in half, uh, the Fox coverage. 
It yeah, but just that, went that, up in my hand. That sounds potentially dangerous. <laughs> like if that, that oh, yeah. if that if that were to strike somebody in the head or whatnot, you, you potentially that could be potentially a fatal type of accident there. Did anybody, did anybody hear an update to, uh, I think it was Chris Bush's Jackman or Gasman yes, that was uh, injured? Jackman, he was uh, hit by Kyle Bush. That was it. Uh, he has torn uh, muscles and ligaments, uh, no. torn muscles in his, uh, I want to say his abdomen, groin, <laughs> left arm, and left leg. So which, which parts of his body didn't he injure? Oh, maybe quicker. <laughs> Brain. His head and his <laughs> right side. Wow, that's yeah. No, I feel, I felt that. That sounds brutal. And now I was thinking when I saw the ambulance open the wall, I was thinking, are there, a, are there? Is this going to be one of the more bizarre red flags? Because it's been six races so that, since we had no seven races dating back to Homestead last year. We've had one. I was thinking, is this going to be the first one? But no. But Mars Bell were pretty much prepared for that wall opening stuff. But uh, I feel that sounds brutal. And, of yeah, course, yeah. no footage of it, which I don't even want to imagine how that looked like. Uh, there is a uh, just off-camera angle. Uh, trust me, it's probably not worth watching if you don't want to see somebody get hurt. But going back to... Uh, YouTube.com, the- hang on. <laughs> but going back to uh, them opening the wall, the reason why they had to actually open the crossover gate, Martinsville is too small for a vehicle tunnel. So therefore, they the only way for the ambulance to leave is for them to open the gate and release the ambulance. Uh, what they did was they just added caution laps at the end of stage two to allow for that. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a reason to bring out a red flag. In you know, Martinsville, they've they've never had a tunnel there. It's always they've got a very tiny infield. That's just how it works there. So you just you can slow down the pack a whole lot, and then you can have all kind of time. So, but uh, I, I hope that uh, that young man from that team recovers well. I, you know, danger is inherent in racing. We've seen you know over the years. Some some pretty scary incidents uh, with pit crew guys. So, uh, uh, wishing that guy a, f- a full recovery. Now, going, we also had the truck race, which was interesting because it's actually started on Saturday before the snow started. They got twenty four laps in on Saturday, out there two hundred fifty. Uh, the first caution was rather interesting. There's no footage. But Mike Seneca was off the pace, had fallen 16 laps down by the time the caution came out. And the caution came out for him stalling after failing to uh, obey three NASCAR directives to go to the garage area because he was failing to make minimum speed. When he finally went to the garage area, he almost hit a tow truck and several NASCAR officials. (laughs) Okay, what's this guy's name again? Mike Seneca. Okay, so has he been in the series for a while? He has. Well, he made his debut last year. He has never finished a race. It's always (laughs) been a vibration, too slow, or an accident. And and apparently he's a pro wrestler at one point. Who knows? There's something something odd about that guy. professional pilot. So he's a wrestler. So I a, trust Mark Thompson to take me home than him. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Wow. So, 
So, but the, but there's no and, fo- there's no footage and, of him hitting the tow truck and stuff, huh? No footage of him almost hitting the tow truck or the NASCAR officials. That's funny. Uh, <sighs> it was not even mentioned by TV or by radio. They just came back and they were under caution from commercial. <laughs> I. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that's bizarre. Yeah. So so and then we know it started the to rest, rain. Started to rain. Rest of the race. Yep. Yes, it started to rain, then snowed, and they got about five to seven inches of snow. Uh, it was postponed to after the cup race on Sunday, before it was postponed to before the cup race on Monday, because you couldn't park, you couldn't really get anywhere. Granted, the roads were fine, but the parking lot was a mess because of the snow, and there was about 70,000 people in the general area that lost power were having issues with electricity because of the snow. Yeah, that's... So, uh, that NASCAR... Part, that part of Virginia where Marshall is is pretty rural, and it doesn't take much to knock the power out of there. I mean, my, my parents live relatively close. Uh, they live in Roanoke, and yeah, it doesn't take much to take the power out um, when it comes to a snowstorm or an ice storm, and it is sometimes days before it's restored. So, I, my understanding was that, that clearing the snow off the track was not the issue. But but getting the, getting getting the parking lots up to where people can get in there and park, and getting the snow out of the grandstands, um, it was just better off to just let the sun do most of the work for you all day Sunday and run Monday. So, Richard, exactly. Richard what and is that noise you're making? Is that me? Sorry, I I don't know. Sound like you have a rubber ducky and you're squeezing it. <laughs> anyway, something else attracted to uh, try to eliminate any potential weepers. They disconnected the safer barrier to remove the snow that was between the safer barrier and the concrete wall. Good idea. Anyway, there, yeah. when they finally restarted the race, Ben Rhodes dominated uh, until some bad pit stops relegated him to being mid-pack, if not in the back of the pack. This opened up the lead to John Hunter Nemechek, Kyle Benjamin, and Todd Gilliland. And they were having a pretty intense battle for much of the last hundred or so laps. Todd Gilliland eventually was forced uh, further back in the pack after he got bumped from his teammate, Harrison Burton. Uh, but Kyle Benjamin, who was driving for David Gilliland's uh, new team, and John Hunter Nemechek, who's running part-time in the trucks this year, they were fighting tooth and nail at times, uh, beating and banging. It looked like Benjamin was going to try to do a bump and run on the final lap, but just couldn't get there. And John Harnimchek, to quote him, TikTok, we finally got a clock. Mm-hmm. That nice. was, uh, that's exactly what he said in victory lane. His father never won at Martinsville. And it was only about two and a half, three years ago that they finally started giving the grandfather clock trophy to the truck series winners and not just the winners of the cup race. Yeah, that, that is one of the neatest trophies uh, in NASCAR is the Martinsville grandfather clock. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's 10 times better than the giant lobster that'll give you New Hampshire or the, or the, uh, the, the, the monster from Dover. Yeah. That's that. Those are absolutely beautiful. I, I mean, I, I, I grew up in that area. I've, I've seen those clocks. That is that is the coolest trophy in all of racing. 
But the thing with those clocks is, once you've won one, what do you do with the second and the third and the fourth? You give them you know, to friends, well, you the give them to well, friends and family members. Everybody, uh, associated, so, everybody uh, associated with Rusty Wallace has one. Because he's, he's won like six six times down there. Yeah, he's got his... His grandma's got one. His brother's got one. His, his kids have one. I yeah, know one yeah. of uh, Richard Petty's, I think... I think one of Richard Petty's like 16 or 17 of those. One of them is in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yes, it is. So they give him just about anywhere... Well, I shouldn't say it that way. But they give it to the race shop, to friends, family, museums... And I do also want to mention this. There were four drivers making their truck series debut this past weekend. Dawson Graham, Reed Wilson, Corey Roper, and Kyle Benjamin. And I'm pretty sure they now share the record for longest truck series debut in series history, considering from the green flag, granted, there was a snow delay, but from the green flag to the checkered flag was about 52 hours. Oh, uh, Seth, that's not a real stat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Steve, and Roper had had a pretty solid day. If I recall, he got I think he beat Todd for a top fifteen spot. So he had a quiet but stellar debut, considered for a guy that's probably virtually unknown to many people, particularly where I'm from in the Northwest. Yeah, Roper is a uh, late mall racer out of Texas, and what he did was he bought some of the old Brad Keselowski racing trucks with the NT1 engine and decided he would run some of the short tracks in the truck series. And he did not have that bad of a debut. He had a clean race. He, uh, let's see, I have the stats right here. He had a clean race. He started 17th, finished in 13th, immediately ahead of Todd Gilliland. And he was able to keep his truck clean. And I think he'll be able to use that, uh, Either when he runs next, I want to say it's either Iowa or Gateway. Could be. Could yeah, be. That's a, yeah, pretty stellar. Yep. So, well, fellas, we're just about out of time here on Drafting the Circus on the Hoobazoo Radio Network. So we've got a few minutes left. So next weekend, it's Easter. It's April Fool's Day. All in one. Um, at... There's no racing action, correct? There's there's no like Xfinity race on a Saturday or there's there's no NASCAR racing. Uh, there's no there's IndyCar. A late model race at Hickory, but yeah, that's about it. Yep, yep. There's there's yeah motorcycle ice racing in Sweden, which will be on Mav TV. <laughs> uh, but that's about <laughs> it. So it's it's one of those weekends a lot of folks take off. So uh, and a lot of the 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 you know the crews and whatnot. Uh, uh, get some much much needed, especially for the NASCAR guys. The off weekends are few and far between. Um, you got Easter and Mother's Day, and that's pretty much it for the whole year. So um, I hope everybody has a great week off. Let me just go. We got about four minutes left. I'm gonna just go around the go around the table, get a final thought from everybody. Um, we'll do picks for um, races next week. So there's nothing coming up this week. So uh, Louise, um, you're new to the show. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate your insights. So you got a final thought for the night? Well, first off, uh, much appreciate much appreciated. And as far as my final thoughts, as far as this whole entire weekend is 
quite frankly, they got a, as far as Formula One, I think this could be a very compelling season, but bear in mind with the three-race engine rule, my biggest concern will be how much of that's going to hamper any competitive battles for the win, as we saw in Australia, because Hamilton could have gone, but because the conservations and all of that, how much will that affect long-term? And as far as social media is concerned, real fast, Twitter at the LT Files. Twitter at the LT Files, yeah. Guys, it takes some time to read some of Louise's stuff. He writes some pretty good opinion pieces. Um, and um, he, though you'll find those on motorsportstribune.com. Uh, some of Louise's stuff we republish on Drafting the Circus, where you can find it on our Facebook page, Facebook Drafting the Circus, or hoobazoo.com slash Drafting the Circus. But uh, read some of Louise's stuff. Um, good stuff uh, for a young man. You've got some good insights. Thanks for coming on the show. Christopher, you have a final thought for the evening? Or are you just going to fade uh, into the distance? Motorsports television. Motorsports television coverage has a long way to go. Uh, Sebring was a few weeks ago, and some of the more uh, interesting accidents, we were only able to see things to um, obscure camera angles. Um, also, we have um, uh, Phoenix IndyCar is going to be the next race, and then Long Beach is going to come up. A good little mini West Coast swing that's going to happen for the Verizon IndyCar series as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun out there. Right, who just man? Who just burped? <laughs> that wasn't me. That wasn't me. All right, guys. I know. I know we're off. I know. I know we're off next week. That doesn't mean you had no. I know it's like not me. Bunch of heathens on the show. And I meant so. three engine rule, not three race engine rule. My apologies. All right. So, uh, Seth, if you got all the burping uh, out, what's your final thought for the evening? It wasn't me. But final thought. I know. Uh, I know it was I, Richard. It wasn't me. <laughs> Trust me. You wouldn't have needed a microphone to hear it if it was me. Uh, it was nice to see uh, Jimmy Johnson, Stenhouse, Truex, a bunch of drivers just go in and congratulate uh, Boyer after his win. And I don't know if anyone has seen it, but there is a there are a couple of tweets of photos of Boyer running to his son Cash. Uh, after the celebration, uh, he did his burnout. He got the checkered flag. He's walking back to the car, and his uh, his wife with their uh, new baby and Cash are walking down the track, and Clint just beelines it to them. It's, it has to be one of the photos of the year, even though it's only race six. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, so Richard, what you got, buddy? So we do have some racing this weekend. The uh, British Formula 3 Championship kicks off at Alton Park. Always some great racing. Some really good young kids coming through there. You know, pretty much who, who's, who's who in Formula 1 has, uh, has raced in that series. But there is one young man taking part in that race, which nobody ever thought uh, they'd see. But Billy Monger will be racing a one-off race for Carling Motorsports this weekend in a specially adapted car that uh, he's been uh, testing. So that is fantastic to see. You know, after the horrific scenes we saw at Donington Park last year. I'm so glad you brought that up. We talked about that earlier. Yeah, Billy Monger, I mean, just, uh, you know, a horrible crash he's been in, but just this, um, this uh, the, the road to recovery and getting back in a race car, you know, he reminds you of, you know, guys like um, Alex Zanardi who uh, had very similar 
injuries who have come back from it and just shown that human spirit that they will never give up. So, uh, But with that being said, uh, I want to thank you, Richard, Chris, Seth, Louise. Guys, thanks for coming on. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and those other places that carry us. Uh, my name is Frank Santoroski. We'll talk to you in a week. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.